Welcome to Inspired Edinburgh, powerful conversations helping you reconnect with your purpose. I'm Elliot Reeves, and my guest today is Tony Jack the Bear Mance. Boom! <laughs> Tony is a Melbourne-based music mastering legend and founder and owner of Jack the Bear's Deluxe Mastering. You're an inspirational speaker, a mentor, host of the Melbourne Unreal podcast, and you created the Jack the Bear Foundation, which was set up to serve the community by raising money for various charities through Mastering Drives. Amazing. Tony, it's absolutely incredible to have you here. Welcome to the show. Buddy, it's an honour to be here. <laughs> Come on, bring it in, bring it in. Good to meet you, mate. You too, you too. This is uh, super exciting. This has been it a... Is, it, feels, it feels surreal. As I was saying yeah. before, I said, you, you meet people online, you develop, you meet, you make friendships, you, you develop these new peers, and, and it's, it's interesting how the, the relationship you have, you know, in the virtual world can sometimes mm -hmm. differ from the real world. Yeah. And sometimes you met, I've, in my experience anyway, I've met some people and it's just like, not that it's awkward, but it just seems a bit different. But meeting you is like, it's, it just feels exactly the same. It's, yeah. And when that happens, magic, it's beautiful, it's like, I love it's like it. It's like a Skype call in 3D here. Absolutely, <laughs> totally, man, totally. Awesome, awesome. So it'd be good to kind of get down to uh, business, so to speak. Let's do and, it, man. Uh, you know, I'd really like to find out a bit more about yourself. I mean, you know, I've, I've obviously know you on a personal level somewhat and um, have looked at your backstory and uh, watched a lot of your videos on, on Facebook and mm. such. But, you know, peeling back, uh, you know, behind all the layers, who is Tony Jack the Bear Mance? Well, uh, who is he? That's a, a, you know, that's a really good question. Um, I, I guess, who is he? He's a great guy. <laughs> He's a great guy. And he's a late bloomer in life. And um, he's a good guy to be around. Um, and he's all the things you described there in the intro. And, and thank you for that. It was very, um, your praise is very generous. Um, um, you know, what can I say, man? I, I, I guess it depends who you ask. I, I, I guess the, the, the humble side would say, look, I'm, I'm an average bloke. It's an average guy with the same feelings and thoughts and anxieties, insecurities of any other, you know, 53-year-old man out there. Um, but I think I'm uh, the best version of, of, of me at the moment that I've ever been. Mm. And I think that's really thanks to the last 12 months of my life in particular has been really where it's been this um, amazing um, accelerated development, if you will, or, you know, this metamorphosis, this, bl um, um, this blooming, this um, incredible sort of growth spurt. Yeah. Um, and I, it's funny because when I look back at my life, I've always been a late bloom in many respects. I mean, whether it was getting love in my life or success in my life or hmm. any, any, any kind of stuff that I would see other people achieve younger and I'd be very envious of would come to me later. But I'm actually grateful for that in many ways because I guess um, things happening late in my life have allowed me to appreciate them more. But, uh, but mate, look, I'm an average bloke. <laughs> I'm easy to get along with. I'm great to hang out with. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm cheap. <laughs> I'm clean. <laughs> um, I behave, especially around your mum. But, you know, again, I, I think that's better. That's, that's, that's probably a better question to ask other people. <laughs> yeah, they always just Because it, it's a hard question because, is, you know, yeah. it, it, I'm, I get it's hard because some of us can feel... Um, don't know about embarrassed, but but again, yeah. you know, we don't want to be seen to be 
perceived as being too full of ourselves. But that, that, that quality of humility is a beautiful thing that you have. Yeah. You know? But by the same token, I think it's also important to be able to blow your own trumpet too, yeah. where it's appropriate. Yes. So uh, I think sometimes we, we tend to take... See, these days I'm happier to take an, a compliment or say, yeah, look, I'm good at what I do, or as I said before, I'm, I'm a good guy. 12 months ago, I'd struggled even just to be able to say that or say it with any real conviction. Okay. Because there was this inner fear that it could be perceived as being arrogant or, you know what I mean? But, but yeah. that's the thing. I think what I used to think humility was, was in fact actually self-deprecating. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that was particularly when I was a very heavy person. And I know we're going to go into that, mm-hmm. you know, as being a former fat person, that that comes in even more, that whole self-deprecating thing. Because it's, it's so much easier to say, before they're going to get in, sink the boots in with any fat jokes, I'm going to get in first. So that way it loses its potency. Yes. You know? yeah. um, or, you know, or just, uh, you know, where people say, oh, geez, you're so good at what you do, man. Fuck. I was like, yeah, yeah, mm. whatever. And people would think that was humility, but I just couldn't take it on board because yeah. that was a lack of self-esteem, a severe lack of self-esteem. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's why a big part of the message now and what I'm trying to do with the speaking, that's the foundation because that really is the cornerstone to everything as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. You know, there is a definite barometer between how you're going in life um, and your self-esteem. And that's not to say that people who are successful, if you want to talk about financial wealth or status, they can still have low self-esteem too. But I think for the most part, most people, why they are not achieving what they want to achieve or getting to where they want to get to, mm-hmm. ultimately, when you boil it right down, they don't feel they're good enough. And that's everyone's primary fear. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So, so what do you think of the things that have driven this metamorphosis in yourself later in life then, this, this transformation that you've been going through? I think it's something I've always was searching for. Mm-hmm. Um, but nobody was really... You know, the, the two guys that really were the biggest influence on me. Yeah? <laughs> Initially, it was um, Brad Burton mm-hmm. and then Peter Sage, mm-hmm. who both, coincidentally, happened to see on London Real Podcast. <laughs> thing about Brad was that he was this guy, you know, a motivational speaker who looked completely different to the average motivational speaker. You know, shaved head, tattoos, jeans and trainers and a t-shirt yeah. and just and gave zero fucks. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and and was completely authentic. Yeah. And to me, it was like, oh my God, this guy is such a breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. And I could, because, you know, I got tattoos and short hair and jeans, t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I could see these parallels. And, uh-huh. and I immediately, I was drawn to him and, um, and, and seeing him sort of made me feel like, because... Up until that point, I always thought about, to be a speaker, you needed to kind of rock it with your suit and tie, and it had to be a much more corporate thing. But here's this guy, just fucking slaying, and just looking like a lad, yeah. as he is, you know? Yeah, the yeah. guy on stage, off stage, exactly the same kind of guy. You could just tell, this guy has one fucking hat, <laughs> and it fits all sizes, and that is it. Yeah. You know, whereas um, I think sometimes with some of the other speakers I've seen, um, I don't know, just energetically, you just felt something that was a bit misaligned, very polished, very well rehearsed, all the right buzzwords, everything was really slick and going on, but yeah. just something in like here the, made the you just go, yeah. I'm not quite sure. Mm, mm. You know? So anyway, so Brad 
and then uh, and then Peter Sage, and um, but when Peter talked about the whole thing about self-esteem and um, that that's what really made me go, holy fuck! No one's ever talked about this. No one's ever ever talked about this shit, mm. and it made a lot of sense. I thought, okay, this this is what's holding me back. You know, no, every, everyone's always looking to fix up the symptoms rather than looking at the cause of what the problem is. So it just made and just the way he presented and his authenticity and and it was just like, oh my god, wow, oh, this is the dude that I've been, you know, looking for, you know. And you know, as I said, Brad, Brad just sort of kicked something, and this awakening and this realization, yeah, right, mm-hmm. and that. So he he was a guy that he was like the brick that fucking cracked the fucking the walnut. Yeah, yeah. yeah and Peter's came along and with with, with the dustpan and sweeping up the rest. Yeah. You know? So that's what really sort of kicked off. So all my life I've been searching, mate, always, you know, why is it that I feel this way? Why is it that I can't do this? Why is it that I can't do that? Mm-hmm. And, um, but that was all just my story. You know, we've all got a story. We've all got our own narrative that we live. Mm-hmm. And it's a program. And that's what we tell ourselves, whatever that may be. So um, in my case, it was about blaming my dad. The reason I'm not successful or why I don't feel I'm successful as other people see me, you know, it's because the words of my dad ringing in my head over and over and over and over and over. And that was the program that I got locked into. And of course, I realized later, well, that's bullshit. That's just absolute bullshit. That's just being victim and that's just an excuse. And it's a justification too as to why you, you know, why you can tell yourself, well, this sucks and I hate this and I wish it could be better. But hey, you know, it's because of him or her or this circumstance or this history or insert whatever excuse you want Mm -hmm. that just allows you to keep, and many people, to keep going on through life, never achieving what they want to achieve and reaching their full potential because it's shifting blame and not taking personal responsibility because it's hard, man. It's hard to look at yourself and say, listen, the reason I'm in this position right now, if I take a snapshot of my life and I look at everything around me, it's my fucking doing. Hmm. The good, the bad, the indifferent, it's ultimately, it's my fucking doing. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, there are other things in play that triggered off other things, but ultimately, you've got to fucking wear it, man. Mm. You know, and for a lot of people, it's hard to sit there and take it on fully, you know, because it's, it's, it's hard. Yeah. It's just hard for most people, and it is hard. But until you can stop and take a moment to reflect and be fucking honest mm-hmm. about where you're at mm-hmm. and why you're there, Mm. you're never going to do anything you'll never change or more importantly you can change but it it won't be long lasting it won't have any real effect you won't have that transformation and that's what it's about change is okay but transformation is not a different ball game that's that changing of the program you know Mm -hmm. out with the old in with the new (laughs) and self esteem is the the most important thing that you've got to get to man until you get to the point you can say I love myself, I'm fucking fine. You are everything you seek. There is nothing fucking wrong with you. You're a fucking perfect fucking expression of life. Mm. Then until you got that down and you know that to be you know it to be true. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's one thing to know something in your mind as an intellectual thing. Yeah. And that could be anything. Because even if we talk about self-esteem, you know, I've known for years, oh yeah, it's good to be happy and have self-esteem. That's intellectually, but mm-hmm. What's happening here, though? Is it, a, is it a knowing? Is it something you just 
fucking know to be true. Mm-hmm. Until you get to that point, man, you're not going to build a strong enough foundation to build on from there. Yeah. You see? So that was the catalyst. That was the, the linchpin, if you will, that set the whole fucking dominoes going. You know, and that, and because of what it's done for me so far in my life and how it's inspired me to transition into the speaking end of things, um, that's what's inspired me to say, right, well, holy fuck, if this thing has had such a profound impact on me, mm. then surely there's a lot of other people that could be impacted as well. You know? Yeah. And I think self-esteem is something that is a challenge for just about everyone out there. Yeah. You know, and you know, we, we, we live in a society that is completely bombarding us with these messages of, you know, if you don't wear these clothes or if you don't look this way, you know, if women don't look this way, if guys don't look this way, if you don't have this kind of money or car or status or beauty or whatever it is in life, and most of it's, you know, for the most part, I wouldn't want to say unattainable. I think anything's attainable if you put your mind to it. But they, they just sometimes present things in such a way that it, 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 it just makes it seem impossible. And they're, and they're telling you you're a piece of shit. Effectively, they're telling you, you know, you, you, you are lacking, you know, because you don't fit into this mould or that mould, you know. So it's tough, man. So I think more people need to be out there sort of like, you know, flipping that round. And the first thing you guys should do is get off the fucking media. <laughs> Just eliminate that from your life. Mainstream media, man. Yeah. Poison for the mind. Absolute poison for the mind. Mm. You know? I mean, I think that if people worry about, well, I'm not going to know what's happening in the world. You know what? What's happening in your fucking world? How are you creating your world? Why do you want to necessarily live vicariously through others or, or you know, sit there and, and, and like, a, like a fucking soap opera or a reality TV show, what's happening next, what's going to happen next, you know, you, you know waiting for them to tell you what to do or what to see or dictate to you what, what life is or how you should be engineering your life. Fuck that. Yeah. Go and do your own thing. You know, if, if the world's going to be nuked tomorrow, I'll eventually find out about it because I'll be fucking dead. <laughs> You know, it's not going to take that long for that word to get around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, okay. That bulletproof coffee's worked a treat. You'd never know you were jet-lagged, eh? Mate. <laughs> Absolutely. Good legal drugs, that caffeine. I love it. <laughs> Thank you, David Asprey. <laughs> so, okay, let's talk about um, your... You, you refer to it as being weight release, and I really like the way that yeah. you do that. The power of words is something that you talk about as well, yeah. and that association. So how, how long were you overweight? What do you think the causes were of your being overweight? And how did you then overcome being overweight? Okay. Well, I, I grew up as a... I was always a big, solid kid growing up. Um, and I... The real, real weight for me stacked on a bit much, much later in life. I'm, I was always kind of a big heavy set kid, mm-hmm. but I was always pretty strong, like sport, doing things I was relatively active, and I was fine. Um, the real bad weight gain happened after I got married, because um, unlike most people who are smart and married for love, <laughs> I, um, I married this woman as a, um, it was my, my last roll of the dice to get my dad's approval, because I said everything was about my dad. So as a, you know, a young man wanting his dad's validation approval, I didn't go down to university, which is what he always hoped for. I always wanted to pursue music, which was something that my dad was not into. He saw it as a great hobby, 
mm-hmm. but not as a legitimate profession. Just something he couldn't wrap his head around <laughs> that listening to music was a career choice. He just could not understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, so anyhow, um, I thought that if I got married and had children, then at least that would tick off one box that he would expect from your son that he could be proud of to say, you know, well, you know, my son, married, children, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, So anyhow, um, married this woman. It was a great lady, by the way. Um, I have a lot of respect for her. She birthed three children. um, and, And for a long time, I felt very guilty because I went into this marriage not going with the right intention and um, thinking that, oh, okay, well, I'll grow to love her. Or this, this, so long as my dad could say, I love you, son, I'm proud of you, mm. it, was, it was worth it. And, um, and boy, I really underestimated what that effect was going to be on me being married. So, so uh, once I realised the mistake I'd made, and it was too late now, I made my bed. I've shat on the linen. I'm going to have to roll in it now. And how long did it take for you to have that um, realisation? That realisation? Well... The realization was there probably before I even got married okay. that it wasn't a good thing to do yeah. in terms of, you know, um, but for 15 years, I was married for 17 years mm. and it wasn't until I got to a point because I didn't want to be at home, I wasn't around, which meant my kid, my first two kids anyway, didn't get their dad around and the presence of their dad around mm-hmm. through no fault of theirs. But, you know, I was really doing some damage to these kids just by not being there, which is exactly what my dad did too. I mean, my dad was just a workaholic. It wasn't because he didn't want to be around, you know. And so, um, you know, that was my escapism. It was food, drugs, not being around. And I I ballooned out to about 170 kilos. And it was 40, what's this, 46 years of age. I remember going to see a doctor to do my annual grease and oil change. And, um, you know, he did a test on me and he looked at the results. He said, hmm. He goes, look, it's very unusual. He goes, look, these aren't really great. He said, these are actually, they're fucking appalling. But I really, just part of due diligence, I'd like to do another run because it's very rare that things can go wrong or there can be a contamination or some kind of error somewhere along the way. Mm -hmm. So let's just do these again, just for peace of mind. And sure enough, they came back pretty much the same. And he just sort of told me straight, he said, mate, I don't know what's going on, but... um, you could walk out of this clinic today and you could drop dead. You could, just based on what I'm seeing here. So, I don't know what's going on. Obviously, your, your lifestyle's not good, but he, he, he could tell energetic, just from looking at me, because mm-hmm. I was just fucking miserable. I was so unhappy. But, I, of course, I didn't want to get out of it because feelings of guilt, feelings of unworthiness. Who's going to want me? I'm a big, fat fucking bastard. I have children. Mm-hmm. It's a divorce. It's going to cost me a fuckload of money. I'm 46, 47 years of age. <sighs> what am I going to do? But mm-hmm. once that was presented to me, that lit something up. I said, okay, something has to fucking change. Mm-hmm. Something really has to change. So, um, but, so I did. I started doing some work on myself. You know, first of all, you know, getting, releasing some weight, mm-hmm. seeing a life coach. Okay. And, um, and as I was doing all these improvements in life, um, I'd realised that the last hurdle for me was to get out of my marriage because no matter how much progress I'd made, that was the final linchpin 
I, I never was ever going to really fully be free and was ever going to be able to live my 100% full potential mm. until I did that. And not only was it for me, but it also for my ex-wife as well, mm. my ex-wife. Um, so, but again, lack of self-esteem, mate. All comes down to that. I didn't feel I was worthy of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so even with this whole thing with weight, mm. uh, ultimately, you you have to feel that you, 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 you're worthy of it and you're deserving of it and that you love yourself enough to do it. Mm. Yeah? Jeez. Yeah. So, so how do you manage that now? Does, does this take the form of affirmations or incantations or looking in the no. mirror and saying you're such a great guy? No, 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 no. No, so this thing, it's all about identity. Okay. How do you identify? No. The big linchpin, I think it's, it's, it's anything in life. You, we all have an, ident an identity statement, if you will. Mm, yeah. Right? Now, ultimately, if you, you know, amongst the, you know, the spiritual community, they say, you know, you, you, know, you are the I am. Yeah. You know, so you're, you're just this blank canvas that is everything. You can insert whatever you want. Mm -hmm. but, but for the most part, you, you live a certain identity, you know? So in my case, it's, you know, who, I, who am I? You know, I'm a passionate and loving inspirational speaker and mentor who shares his story in a raw yet authentic fashion, showing others what is possible. Right? That's my identity that's awesome. statement. Yeah, that's and, that's, and that's how I live you know, in, the, in the day to day. Oh. Now, of course, I can be as well, or I can, I can be all <laughs> kinds of things. You know, the, the human condition, you know, there's, there's nothing, there's no quality that you or I or anyone else has not ever been, mm. ever. The full spectrum. And, and this is why, you know, we need to, embrace everything about us but but in terms of the main identity yeah. so can so getting back to the weight thing mm -hmm. okay until you can identify as a vibrant fit skinny whatever adjective you want to insert you can you'll never fully embrace it because mm -hmm. it's, it's like you don't have to think about it you just have to know it to be a truth hmm. and it's again it's about identifying accepting it, living it, and being that without having to think about it. Yeah, you can remind yourself every day, but, but you know, affirmations are fine up to a point, but if you have to keep reminding yourself every single day about, you know, rather than just know mm -hmm. that's who you are and how you roll, mm -hmm. it won't integrate. It's, exactly. like, it's like when I, it's, it's interesting, when I, when I first lost a shitload of weight, I used to carry a photo of an old form of fat photo of myself on my phone. And I thought, well, if I just had that there, it's a constant reminder as to how not I want to be anymore. So a friend of mine looked at it and said, dude, what the fuck? What's that? I said, well, and I explained to her, this is, you're not that person anymore. Yeah. You know, you, you cannot be a skinny person and have a fat personality. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. But again, a lot of that's a subconscious thing. So yes. until you have the awareness to realise that, and go, okay, well, I'm going to start identifying a different way. You're going to start thinking differently. You're going to start acting differently. You'll attract different people. You know, so how does a fit, vibrant person, how do they live their life? Who do they hang out with? What food do they eat? What activities do they get involved in? What sort of things do they read? Or what interests do they have generally? How do they live their life? You know, so mm -hmm. until you can capture those things and then you start practicing. And it's like with anything, it's like these, you know, they talk about the, the four levels of learning. 
you know, uh, yeah. until you get to that point of this unconscious competence where you're not thinking about something. Yeah. It's like, you know, change takes an instant, but a habit takes a while. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Such an inspirational story that you have as well. And the fact that you're now tapping into that and using that as a means of inspiring other people is, is fantastic. Yeah, well, thanks, mate. So it's, yeah. Well, I think as we, you know, we talked about earlier on, you know, one a quality that a good mentor needs to have is um, someone who can demonstrate some congruency in what they're espousing. Mm. You know, it's, 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 again, it's that whole intellectual thing. You know, people can sit there and talk about shit till the cows come home and be very convincing about what they're talking about. But, you know, how is your walk compared to your talk? You know, are you able, you know, can you demonstrate this to someone else? Can, you know, can you show them that this is how you are? How authentic are you in all this stuff? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. So, because I'm sure there's a lot of people and snake oil salesmen and people that, as I said, very good at presenting well and all the buzzwords and all the smoke and mirrors and shit. But yeah. when you peel it all back, though, are you exactly as you state on the packet? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's good. So, something I'd really like to speak to you about, um, and I think it's something that's quite kind of off the moment, is swearing. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, obviously, this is you being true to yourself and your I am statement. And I think the, the sort of raw, um, authentic you is somebody that swears. Yeah. But in recent times, I've seen, I think, a post on your Facebook page that talks about the fact that if this is going to impinge on you getting your message to more people mm-hmm. or potentially going to ostracize some of your audience, mm-hmm. then it might be something that you need to perhaps reevaluate, if you like. Mm-hmm. So what, what is it about swearing that you really like? And how does this leave you kind of longer term in, in terms of being a speaker? Okay. Well, it's interesting. Um, seeing Brad was actually one of those things, seeing him and in his use of swearing. <laughs> I, d- I don't think that... Okay, swearing is something that differentiates me, say, for some people. But I had a little bit of a epiphany not that long ago with respect to it. Okay. And what... Uh, what was presented to me, and when I looked at it, I think it was quite true that my use, or shall we say perhaps overuse of swearing, was a long-running program um, of me being a non-conformist and rebellious, but justified as being authentic. Okay. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so when I looked at that, when that was presented to me, thank you, Peter Sage, um, and it was something that he'd seen and known for a long time. And um, because word got back to me that, listen, there's a few gigs that you're not getting at the moment because everyone loves you, but sometimes you can get a little bit over the top. So um, it's like with anything in the universe, man, you've got to listen to feedback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the feedback is telling you what you're doing right or wrong. And so when I looked at that and I thought about it, I thought, wow. And then the other thing was, um, was understanding or, or, or it was, you know, again, said to me that, okay, so you want to go out and be a speaker. That's great. So why are you doing it? Is this coming from a, an ethnocentric place mm. or an egocentric place? Mm-hmm. So 
it's fine to sit there and say, okay, well, I'm going to be authentic and I'm just going to fucking swear the cows come home because this is who I am. Or you got, so here's, here, here I have now a potential to reach more hearts and minds because I really want to be able to share my story to as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean I have to do it in a super sanitized and squeaky clean way, but I think it's finding the balance, Elliot. You know, I, I deal predominantly with kids and young artistic creative kids, and so swearing is a part of the culture. But, but if I want to go and talk about this stuff that affects people from all walks of life, you know, if I want to go and speak to, a, say, a boardroom of a Fortune 500 company, that's not to say these guys don't swear as well, but yeah. chances are, if, if I generally want to reach that kind of level of audience, well, common sense would dictate <laughs> that you're going to have to be a little more discerning, I guess, in how you speak. And, and, and while yeah, my vocabulary is okay, I mean, I'm not an Oxford scholar, but I have a reasonable command of the Queen's English. You certainly do, yeah. So why wouldn't I be able to demonstrate that and use that in, a, in an effective way? Mm-hmm. So, um, so it was an interesting thing that's happened of late. And, and, I, and again, just sitting down and asking myself the honest questions, like, okay, why are you doing it? Do you really, are you really serious about wanting to... Um, hopefully affect more people. Well, if you really want to do that and take your ego out of the question, mm-hmm. then you're just going to have to adapt. <laughs> doesn't mean you're being a chameleon or changing or being inauthentic. It's just a matter of just what's appropriate. You know, you and I will have a different conversation to the conversation I had before in front of your mum. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? doesn't mean I was being inauthentic. <laughs> well, I was speaking with her. I was still me. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's just a slightly more uh, appropriate me. <laughs> Yeah, 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 absolutely. For that audience, (laughs) you know what I mean? So same thing if I met your dad or your grandparents or whoever, you know, your boss. But you're your new boss now, so (laughs) there you go. That's great. You know, I'm a big fan of of watching you speak and listening to you speak, but I I do think that there was a potential that the use of that language was going to probably rule out a certain portion of your audience and that was in, a, in many respects a shame that it would do that mm. so now that you've come to this i suppose realization it's i think it's brilliant and i think that you can now have a wider message to a wider yeah, well audience, which is, uh, which at is least great. it um there's, there's more potential for that yeah you know again, again we're all learning out we mate we're all not learning curve we're all on this uh growth you know journey and yeah. uh and who's to say um i may end up if I become really popular one day, maybe I'll, it'll, it'll just be a fuck every single word. <laughs> no, no, I can't see myself ever get to that stage. But, um, but I'm, 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 I'm actually grateful for that mm-hmm. um, because it's, um, I, I think it, it's, there's a lot of truth in it. Mm-hmm. And I think it will hold me in good stead for my future. Yeah, definitely. Brilliant. So I'd really like to speak to you actually about your, your music career. It's something that I don't really hear an awful lot about because you're, you're getting your message across um, avidly, which is which is brilliant to hear. But you know, you I think you started in the music in- industry originally in 1981 or thereabouts. So when did you discover that that was your your real passion? Oh, look, I've always loved music yeah. since I was a kid. Loved listening to music as a child. Um, was a very very bad guitar player. Um, <laughs> I never played in any bands or anything like that. But I. I'd always had a fascination with sound and listened to records and just the, the magic of stereo and how things moved in the stereo image. And it was just like magic to me, you know? Um, and I just thought it'd be a really fun gig. You know, I worked out really early when I was young that 
I, I didn't like school. I just did not like school. I did not like the structure of school. I didn't like being told what to do, where to go, how to do things. Mm -hmm. I could only take a piss at a certain time and this sort of stuff. I, I never liked that about school. I always uh, felt like I was a free spirit and I worked out very early that if you were going to spend a big chunk of your waking hours working, you might as well do something you fucking love. Mm. To me, that was just common sense. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so, of course, you know, society tells you school, university, trade, yeah. what have you. And, and growing up as a young kid, uh, my dad had a little business around the ports of Melbourne. And uh, I used to go and work on the school holidays. And I remember seeing these workers coming to work early in the morning, punching on, and the misery of these guys. And everybody was working for the weekend. Yeah. And I thought, this is not for me. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to do that. I want to be like these other guys who you'd hear about loving their job. And, and it wasn't a job, it was a lifestyle. Mm. You know? And so I, um, I worked out pretty early that that's what I wanted to do. And, and that's where a lot of the friction was between me and my dad, you know, bless him. It was him thinking, I mean, his intention was right. Because, of course, what parent doesn't want the best for their child? Mm -hmm. Even though at the time it may seem to be a little bit, mis a little bit skewed. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, the intention is right. You know, what, what do you want for his kid? Security and what would, you know, a job that people would know whether it was a doctor or a lawyer, an accountant or a teacher or some kind or a trade of some sort. Yeah. Um, or even a business, you know, my, my dad even said, okay, why don't you get into your own business? I said, yeah, I do, I want to do music. No, music's not a business, you know, music's a <laughs> hobby. What do you mean that's not a business, that's not a job? Um, but no, it's something I worked out for a long time that I wanted to do and, um, and so, you know, I, um, I didn't want to go to university, I had no desire for any of that kind of crap. Mm -hmm. And I finished high school and, um, and so I just went and I, I traveled for a while and, you know, I spent time in studios and, you know, just learned as much as I could um, about studios and recording and stuff. And, and then sort of fell into mastering quite by, you know, it was mastering was something that found me, um, you know, uh, you know, it's still to this day, one of those, it's still referred to as a black art, which is the biggest load of bullshit. <laughs> there's, no, there's no black art. You know, master engineers are not gate, keep us to the secret society or anything like that. It, it's just, just one, that. you know, it, well, look, it's, it's one aspect of the business mm -hmm. that doesn't really have a lot of prestige or profile. And so therefore, you know, if it's not something that is pretty much front and center, you know, most people that are in music that are artists know what a mixing engineer is and know what a producer is. It's, you know, something that they see on the credits of records. You know, a lot of producers are household names, but, Mastering is kind of that little bit at the end that people, certainly back in the 80s, you know, most people didn't really know what the fuck it was. I certainly didn't know. I mean, I, I'd only seen it, the odd credit every now and again and just didn't know what, exactly what it was. I just knew that it was some part of it. But I wanted yeah. to be a producer. See, that was the thing for me too, because that's what I knew. I, I used to be a boffin looking at credits on albums and I had my favourite producers, engineers, and I wanted to be like those guys, you know. But once I'd realised that mastering was one of those parts of the business that um, there was more opportunity because everybody was clamouring to be a mixing engineer, a producer, a recording engineer, uh, but there's all this kind of space here that made it clear to me, well, this is where the opportunity is. I didn't want to be a rock star. I didn't care for that. I just wanted the lifestyle. You yeah. know? 
So for me, it was also a pragmatic decision yeah. as well. Awesome. Yeah. So for, for anyone listening that doesn't know what a mastering engineer is, and I'm probably amongst them, mm -hmm. tell us a bit about what that is and what it entails. Okay. Effectively, uh, the best way I could describe it to people in the most layman's kind of way awesome. um, is um, I'm a guy that frames pictures. I don't repaint them. So, so, you know, so a band will go record their music to a left and right stereo track. And if you could imagine, you know, people have bass and treble control on a stereo. Yeah. And you'd adjust it according to the way you feel it should sound to your ear. Yeah. Well, think about a studio that has slightly more complicated bass and stereo controls and, and, uh, and, pro and you know, and machines, uh, dynamics processing and stuff like that. But effectively, it's a kind of spit and polish on a record. It's, it's there to make everything sound finished and together and get it ready for the next step for manufacturing or for digital release or for vinyl release. So there's not a lot of scope there because by the time it gets to you, most of the work is done. It's pretty much, it's just the final finishing touches that gets it sending schmick. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And so where did you, or when did you acquire the name Jack the Bear? What's the meaning? Oh, that was a nickname. <laughs> nickname given to me by two drunks on the New York subway. <laughs> uh, coming up from party one night and um, these two guys were in the middle of some argument and all I remember hearing as I walked onto the train was one guy saying to the other guy hey man don't blame me blame Jack the Bear man <laughs> and as he said that he sees me walking on and go Bear don't talk to him and my friend who was with me thought it was fucking hilarious. <laughs> he just said, you're Jack the Bear. You're a fuck up, man. You fuck shit up. Now, how's the irony though that I do a job that's meant to fix things <laughs> and yet I'm named after some mythical character who you blame when the shit goes awry, you know? Yeah. So there's quite, um, the irony is not lost on me. Yeah. <laughs> that's brilliant. I love that. Love yeah. that. So that's how that name came about. And so um, they stuck like dog shit to a shoe. Yeah. And it's since become my branding. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, and it's now uh, Jack the Bear's Deluxe Mastering and the Jack the Bear Foundation, so it's done you well. Yeah, to date. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another thing I'd really like to ask you about, and this is maybe just for selfish reasons, mm -hmm. and anyone who listens to this probably won't be able to quite make the most well. of it, but your tattoos. Mm -hmm. When did you start getting ink, and what was the, the sort of driver of it? Okay. Um, tattoos was something I always wanted to get, but I never came and, you know, I work in a business where every man's dog pretty much has a tattoo and I, I'd always wanted to get them. Um, and it wasn't until one day when a client of mine, uh, came to the studio and he had this script that was around his neck. And as soon as I saw the, the font, if you will, I said, fuck, dude. Who did that? And he goes, well, um, the singer in our band, he's actually a tattoo. I said, he's fucking serious. I said, dude, that script is perfect. <laughs> and so um, that night I got a tattoo. Wow. 22nd of January, 2009. No. Serious? It's on YouTube, buddy. Check it out. Really? Until Jack, Jack gets a tattoo. Jack gets a tattoo. Oh it's on. It's gosh. on YouTube. So it's all documented, man. It's no no bullshit. Oh yeah. my gosh. So yeah, 
Um, a friend of mine actually made the video. Uh, I didn't have a car to drive out to the tattooer's house and he, uh, he offered to take me there on the proviso that he could record it <laughs> on video. Which put out of pressure on me because I thought, oh shit, I better not be a wuss when this, this, this gets done. <laughs> you know, so yeah, my first tattoo is right here. Um, just, so Jack the Bear with my little paw print there. Awesome. And um, I can say in all honesty, hand on heart, dude, I never expected that I would be covered. It, that was not, that wasn't part of the vision. Okay. I, I thought I'd get, I just got the second one here, which is the no, no guts, no glory. I thought, okay, nice to sort of balance them out. Yeah, yeah, both, uh, both horrors. And then, I, yeah, and then I thought I'd get um, something a little bit different. And then this guy called Liam, who's pro probably done about half the work on my body, he, I wanted to get some more script. He said, why do you want to get more script, man? Get an image, for fuck's sake. And I said, oh. Like what? So he just showed me these old school, traditional tattoo flash books. And I think, well, fuck, man, I don't know, what should I get? He said, oh, look, get, get a rose, man. A rose is classic, you know. And it just made sense to me that if I got something old school and traditional, it's timeless, man. So, you know, as you get older and your skin starts to wrinkle and <laughs> they start to bleed out and stuff like that. Um, they're still going to look pretty good yeah, <laughs> as yeah. opposed to getting some kind of tribal tattoo yeah. of a tribe that you don't even have any affiliation with or belonging to, mm -hmm. you know, whatever is trendy, in, in, you know, on the mm -hmm. day with, you know, old, old school shit, man, just, it just, it's timeless, you know, it'll, it'll still be fucking fresh as fuck, yeah, you know, yeah. 10 years, 50 years from now. Yeah. So, so how did this happen? Uh, that's, a, that's a great question. It just did. Yeah. It just did. I just got one and it was, you know, they say it's addictive, man. And it is. It, there, there is certainly a real addictive quality about them. But it's an interesting cycle because you, you think, oh, fuck, I should, you might have to get one over here now. And, you know, maybe it's a little bit of my OCD. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and you get it and you're sitting in the chair and, and yes, they do hurt. Tattoos do hurt. If anyone tells you they don't hurt, they're full of shit. Um, but it's an interesting kind of pain. Um, but you're in there and you're getting it done. And so many times you, I've sat there and I've got the fuck off. What am I and then you get it done, you have a look at it and you go, oh, wow, that's so cool. Yeah, until the next time. Yeah. <laughs> Rinse and repeat, you know. <laughs> I don't know, man. They, they, they definitely are addictive. Yeah. You know, and um, because I, I don't have any other real vices in life. Um, you know, and it's yeah. it's something you do for yourself. It's a, it's, a, it's a very selfish kind of thing, but it stays with you for life. So you've got to be pretty sure about what you're going to get. Yeah, yeah. No, but I'm glad, again, late bloomer, mate. And, and, I'm, and I'm happy that I got it later in life too, because I think uh, I appreciated why I have them and I value them more. Yeah. What would you like some of your future addictions to be if you were going to get addicted to things? Well... Addiction's a pretty strong word, isn't it? Um, I don't know if I want to be addicted to anything. I, I would rather I have a balance in my life. Mm -hmm. Now, all these tattoos is probably not balanced, shall we say. Um, but uh, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't really want any addictions, man. I think that, um, I think just to really be happy and balanced in life and to, um, you know, just do what makes me happy. You know? and, um, and, and, and how I can... I can better serve others. Yeah. You know, and I don't know if you can call that an addiction, but I think there's something really good about serving and contributing to society. And, and, and you know, there's a great, um, great quote I saw Picasso 
that I posted on my Facebook where, and I'm, I hope I got this right, but I think it was the, the meaning of life is to find your gift and the purpose of life is to give it away. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. That's great. You know? Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, if you want to talk about an addiction, maybe just the addiction to, you know, of, of, of growth and contribution. Okay. So, so at this stage in your life, what do you feel your, your true purpose is? I think uh, a true purpose is just to, um, to love unconditionally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and that is really, and that's not an easy thing. <laughs> yeah. That's, a, that's not an easy thing. But I think it's really to love unconditionally and to serve people um, and to, again, just, just share my story, man. Mm. Just share my story. Mm. And in the hope that I can be the domino that starts a chain reaction in someone's life that you may never, ever get to find out about. Mm. But, you know, for me, my, um, what, I, what I always hope to do or achieve any time I do a talk or podcast or whatever is if one person listens or sees me and before they see or hear what I'm saying, if they are feeling despondent or down or feeling like there's no hope or little hope or they're just stuck on a treadmill, mm -hmm. that hopefully... I may say something that will trigger something in their mind that makes them go, hmm, maybe it's not quite that bad. You know, yeah. hopefully it'll be an epiphany, but, but I'm, not even that, I'm not even that ambitious. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm just hoping, as I said, just, just enough to kind of sway someone's thinking, enough for them to entertain the thought of something else, which then hopefully will lead to something else and something else and, and so on. Yeah. Just to be a spark, man. Just to ignite something. And, uh, and if I can do that, then the rest takes care of itself. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, I'm sure we've all had um, pivotal moments in life. Mm -hmm. Someone has said something to us or not said to us or done something or not done something to us. And it may have been very innocuous. But nonetheless, it set you on a different trajectory. You know, and even if you're talking about, you know, one degree change... You know, one degree, it's not very much in the scheme of things. Mm -hmm. But, you know, over time, if you just keep moving, that area will increase and increase for you trigonometry fans. And so over time, you, you're going to see some results and see a difference. Mm -hmm. but, but of course, it, it was just that initial small thing at the start. So realizing and understanding the power of that, mm. you know, makes me go, wow, there, 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 is, there is power there, you know, if you, if you can utilize it right. Love that. That's really powerful. Excellent. What What are the things that, that really drive you? What What are some of you know? What What are you really passionate about? And what are the things that really drive you? Well, I'm passionate about a lot of things. Um, you know, I'm passionate about music, life, love, mm -hmm. friendships, relationships, um, health. You know, there's a lot of things I'm passionate about. Um, people in general. I love people. I just love people, man. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I, I just do. I, I just have a real affinity for people. And I, I love being around people. I'm a very social kind of person. Um, so, that, you know, I'm passionate about that. And, and I'm especially a p passionate about what I'm doing in life right now. 
you know, again, this, this life purpose, if you will, yeah. you know, really finding what it is that, you know, uh, what, I'm, what I'm here to do and here to be. Mm. And, you know, I now really believe that everyone has something, you know, everyone has something to contribute in the scheme of things. Yeah. A lot of people don't know it or realize it, or maybe as it was in my case, wasn't, despite me being told for years, dude, wow, you're fucking awesome at this and you're awesome at that. And I just, again, my lack of self-esteem would not allow me to take that ownership on. Mm -hmm. But we all have something, man, mm. you know? And, and, and until we get to that point and realize that and take ownership of that, mm. we're never gonna really fully reach it. And sadly, a lot of people will, will never do, you know? There's one thing I always ask kids, you know, what do you want to do? What is it that really excites you? What? And, you know, when people say, I don't know, I, I, I never can believe them. Really, really deep down. I mean, at, you know, at that particular point in time, now that could change, you know, when, when, you, when you're a kid, you know, I mean, kids, it's amazing. Oh, what do you, you know, what, oh, I'm this, I'm a, I'm a superman, I'm, you know, I'm a superhero. I do this, I do that. Yeah. It's incredible. We, yeah. we can learn so much from kids, man. Yeah, definitely. You know, yeah. their the sense of play, their sense of fun, their sense of, and zero fucks given. <laughs> yeah, when was the last time you saw a four-year-old say, does my bum look big in this? <laughs> Don't about you, man. <laughs> I haven't heard a kid say that. No. <laughs> you know? And, and, and just, just being, and they're present. Mm -hmm. no, kids don't think about the future, they're not worried. I mean, they may you know, get excited about Christmas coming along, and, but they live these magical lives because they believe in it and then it gets beaten out of them. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. Completely. It's sad. It's really sad. You know? And so well, what do you think people can do to tap back into that, that energy? Well, you know, I think until we all start living those magical lives ourselves and being examples, these kids, that's the only way you're going to influence, man. They say the best way to influence is by example. Yeah. And until you can be, again, it's about identifying and, you know, I mean, it, it doesn't mean you have to be necessarily delusional, you know, or think that you can, you know, be like uh, Chris Reeves, if you're related <laughs> to him, who really believed he was Superman and decided yeah. he'd jump off a building. Well, so the story goes. I don't know how true that is, but... Mm. But you know what I mean, it's, it's, it's just this, having this kind of carefree living of being present and not being concerned about what other people think about you or, 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 um, or you just thinking that you are your failures or you know, just saying that you know, until I have this or until I do this or until I achieve this or until I get that girl, I'll never be happy. Mm. You know, kids don't think like that. Don't Young kids don't think like that at all, you know? So I think until we start being more like that and as a society we start changing our value system and getting away from too much of the materialistic stuff. And that's not to say you can't have that shit mm -hmm. if that's what you desire. Mm -hmm. You should be able to go out, you know, if you want a Ferrari, you want a, a castle, go ahead and do it. You know, so long as you're not hurting anyone or yourself in the process, mm -hmm. God bless you. you know? But by the same token, it shouldn't make you any, any better a person or a lesser person if you don't. Yeah. yeah. So again, this is why you've got to get off the mainstream media, <laughs> you know, advertising, although it's hard because, you know, you drive down the street, whether you like it or not, or realise not, you're going to be exposed to how many billboards and all kinds of different kind of, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. Madison Avenue, man, they spend a fuck ton of money when it comes to how they market and advertise and they're very, very clever. Yeah. You know, they know how to get sort of in there, whether it's through subliminal messages or through understanding psychology, science, all this kind of shit. 
But until, until society starts to change that way and we start changing our value system and we get down to the basics again, man, of, you know, of, of, of community, of connection, mm. of, um, you know, of, of getting back to nature as well and, and eating better and, 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 and being more in harmony with nature. I mean, you know, the ancients had it right, man. They knew what the fuck was up yeah. when it came mm. to health and well-being and longevity and being happy, I mean. Yeah, that, that, that's what it's about. Getting getting back to basics, I think. Mm-hmm. And you know, but that, that's going to take time. We, you know, that's going to take a generation or two. You know, and and I and I feel that that is already starting to happen. You know, we're, we're seeing more awareness now on the planet. Um, you know, the consciousness, if you will, yes. rising. Mm-hmm. Um, more and more people coming out and talking about this kind of stuff. We got the internet. We got podcasts. I mean, shit, man. Ten years ago, fifteen years ago. This kind of shit. <laughs> it was, you know, maybe it was in its infancy, maybe that long ago. But, but look where we are now, man. It's fantastic. So, mm-hmm. more access to that kind of information. So, the more people hear about it, see it, and again, from people that are living it consistently mm-hmm. over time, I think that's how it's going to change, man. It's, uh, it's like with anything, it's evolution. You know, these things don't happen overnight. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great answer. Really, really good. And I love that message. Thanks, Mike. You're welcome. So it would be great at this stage to ask you a few questions, I suppose, around um, success. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think it's often you know, um, misperceived, if you like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how do you personally define success? I think the best definition I've seen of success, and I think quite a few people have said it in different kind of ways um but to paraphrase okay i think success for me is um getting up in the morning and going to bed at night and between those two points in time doing whatever it is you like (laughs) just complete freedom to do and be what it is that you want to do and be and not feel questioned by it, not feel judged by it, and just not caring. Mm-hmm. Again, so long as the caveat being, so long as you're not hurting yourself or anyone else in the process. <laughs> so I, th- I think that's what success. And, you know, just to, just to be happy, genuinely happy, and have peace of mind, and, 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 and just feel that, n- and knowing that you're okay. Mm-hmm. In, no matter where you are, what you're doing, what point of life you're at, Knowing that you're okay and, and having that inner peace, that to me is success. Mm-hmm. The rest of it is all great and it's, and it's just gravy, as they say. But that's probably how I define it. So I would assume then, based on your definition of success, that you would be successful by those measures? Very much so. Yeah? Very much so. Do you, you, know, do you, do you believe that you're successful? I am right now. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. That's awesome. Because I feel great, man. I'm, I'm 53. And I'm the best I've ever felt, Elliot. Yeah. I can honestly tell you, I'm the best I've ever felt. And, uh-huh. you know, in terms of physically how I'm feeling, emotionally how I'm feeling, mm. I'm in a really good place. Now, what's going to happen tomorrow, who knows? But I, I live with a lot of more optimism than ever. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. It, it's, it's not really my business at this stage. You know, I, it'll just be what it'll be. I mean, I'm, I'm ultimately, yes, I'm the creator of my own reality. 
I don't know what that reality is going to entail or exactly what shape and form. And frankly, it doesn't really matter right now because at the moment, all that really matters is the fact that I'm sitting here with you and despite the fact I'm jet lagged, I'm feeling like a million bucks. <laughs> We're having a great conversation. I'm engaging with something I love to do, which is having good conversations with nice people. Yeah. So this is fucking heaven right now. Now, what's going to happen when the cameras go off and the lights go off? <laughs> Fuck, I don't know. It's, I'm not going to worry too much about it. You know, we, and, yeah. and we worry so much about what's up ahead. Uh-huh. And I still have my moments about it, of course. I'm, I'm not going to tell you that, you know, hey, I'm this complete zen fucking dude has got it down far from it my friend but i'm a fuck lot better now than what i was say a year ago yeah yeah, yeah? i mean i've got my days too man i have my days of doubt and my days of you know not self-loathing but you know days where i can get angry with myself and i can beat myself up a bit and oh shit you know mm. but i get over it a lot quicker now because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. what's done is done and in fact there's even you know there's lessons in that too you know it, you know, just having an awareness now to realise, okay, that was pretty shit, but actually now when I think about it, um, there were some jewels in there. Yeah. And had that not happened to me, I wouldn't have this knowledge now. I wouldn't be right now. Mm. You know, this is why, you know, when people say, oh man, what a waste of, you know, your marriage, so many years. No, dude. No, mm. no, 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 no. That marriage was the best schooling for me. You know, if I didn't go through all of that, yeah. I wouldn't have got to that point, which meant I wouldn't have had this epiphany and this and this and this. You know what I mean? It wouldn't. Yeah, that, that's yeah. a fact. That's a fact. Uh-huh. So now I can be grateful for that. So I'm yeah. getting better at taking the, the, the shit out of life, shall we say, and realizing, no, that's the fertilizer that's going to grow the beautiful flowers. Yeah. You know, I'm getting better. I'm not, again, I repeat, I'm not a fucking <laughs> Zen master at this yet, uh, but I'm getting better. Yeah. You know? but, but having the ability as well to look back and join the dots and see that things have, you know, in the, for the most part, perhaps happened for a reason. Yeah. And I suppose now embracing what Peter might describe as through me or living in flow or yeah, totally. whatever you want yeah, to call yeah. that. Is and, and the other thing too, in, uh, there, there's something about being a, you know, a teacher or a mentor about this stuff. Because again, it's like, you know, the Russians say, um, when, when I teach, I learn. So by yeah. them outwardly expressing the stuff and, it just, it just keeps reinforcing yeah. those things to you. And also reminds you that you actually know what you're talking about. You know, <laughs> you, you know, if you're able to talk about this stuff and explain it, then, uh, then, then you know your subject matter. Yeah. So what do you think are some of the character traits that you have that have contributed towards your own success? <sighs> well, I think it's uh, some discipline, hard work, commitment, um, but also understanding what it is that drives you, the, the reason why you're doing what you're doing, you know. It's interesting, isn't it, how you'll see someone who is a complete couch potato, would never get off the couch and even walk to the fridge to get a beer out. But that same person, though, will, will run around a continent in order to raise money for a relative or a friend who may have cancer or mm-hmm. may have passed on or to, to bring an awareness to something that's really important that'll drive them mm-hmm. so you know i think um it's it's um having the reason why you know you want to do it you know have you know that 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 you know what is it that inspires you mm-hmm. to get out of bed and go out and do your shit yeah 
So I'm very inspired. <laughs> you are. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Or, or what's the most valuable lesson in life that you might be able to share? There is nothing fucking wrong with you. <laughs> you are fucking perfect. Yeah. yeah. Once you get that down, dude, mm. and you know that to be true, you know, that to me, because once that was presented to me, it was like, holy shit, <laughs> you know, and, and you take that on, that's probably, you know, and, and to just love yourself, man, learn to love yourself, learn to sort of get in touch with who you are mm -hmm. and accept you and be fine within your own skin and know that everyone is a unique expression of life, dude. You know, everyone is individual and, you know, everyone's so busy, as I was, trying to be like everyone else. And, and while it's great to be inspired by people mm -hmm. and, you know, and, and, you know, and see the traits in others that you want to be more like or traits that you accept within yourself, you still are yourself. You know, you, you, you'll never be, I'll never, as much as I love you, man, I'll never be Elliot Reeves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, 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 you know, that, that number's taken. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, mm -hmm. well, let, let's focus on me and allow me to be the best version of who I am mm -hmm. in the hope that I can maybe inspire someone else to go off and do their own thing. Yeah. You know, again, it's this whole advertising thing. Everyone has been told that until you are like this or that or this or that, you, you're just not good enough, period. And that's not true. Yeah. But again, until you get to that point, man, where you take that on, as a knowing, as an absolute knowing, every fiber of your being accepts that. Mm -hmm. you, you know, it's, it's like trying to build a house on shifting sands, man. It'll never fucking happen. Mm -hmm. That is the absolute foundation of everything. Yeah. So that's probably the best advice, you know, I've probably got. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know? it's, I mean, again, fantastic advice. Um, for some people, getting to that point might be a challenge, but yeah. yeah. What well, is, man? No, it's our conditioning. Yeah. You can't blame people for that. It's, it's, it's how we were raised and we're all being loved conditionally. Mm. So once um, that's the program that's been set into you and then, you know, society, media, prey on that. Know it, they know that full well. And that's how they get away with it because they just keep perpetuating that thing and that, create, and that just keeps that story, that narrative, just going round and round your fucking head. Mm. I suspect I have an idea of where you might go with this answer, but if you could change anything in the world, what would it be and why? I can't change anything in the world, mate. There's nothing for me to change. The only thing that changes the world is really, the outer world is really your inner world because the inner world is reflected by the outer world. That's the feedback you're getting given on the, the signal you're broadcasting. Mm -hmm. So for me to change the world, that's not my place. I'm not here to change anything. The world is the world and the world operates the world it operates. But ultimately, the only way I can change the world is by changing my inner world. <laughs> okay. And the thing is, you can think something, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to eventuate immediately. Yeah. And so this is why, you know, just this positive thinking stuff isn't enough. You know, but, mm -hmm. but no, mate, you know, I, I guess, it, you know, the you, utopian world is what, you know, everyone's getting along well, everyone's cool to each other, there's no war, there's no famine, 
there's no nonsense. But here's the thing: life isn't like that. We live, you know, in in this world, you know, there's a, it's a, it's duality, man. There's there's balance, there's light and shade, and all this sort of stuff. So, you know, I, I, you know, so, so let's just say the world, for example, was this utopian society. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be nice, but don't you think that would get a bit boring too? <laughs> yeah. Really. Mm. Uh, and that's not to say it has to be extremely shit and dark and <laughs> e. But, but then again, you know, we need a little bit of that too. We, we need a, a bit of movement. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's just going to become completely static. Mm. And that's no fun. No. You know, I mean, I mean, you know, if you could, you know, live the most perfect day every single day you know and if it was i think after a while it, it could potentially get a bit boring mm-hmm. yeah you need a little something in there to shake things up and make it interesting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i like it i like it so if you had a, an opportunity to speak to the 20 year old jack the bear mm-hmm. <laughs> what would you say to him and why um i'll just tell him to relax mm-hmm. just relax dude don't worry, don't stress about shit. It's completely unnecessary. Um, you're going to be okay. And I tell him all these things because it would, um, he'd, he'd avoid himself a lot of grief and misery. Mm-hmm. But then again, here we go. Without the grief, without the misery, without the loss, without the hurt and the disappointment and all that, I wouldn't appreciate what I have now as much. You know, again, it's, it's like the difference between someone inheriting a billion dollars and someone that's gone out and earned that billion dollars mm. through their hard work and their toil and their ups and their downs. And, and now, you know, people that earn their way through life, whatever it is that they've earned, will appreciate it far, far more than those that are just given it on a platter. Mm-hmm. So... So yes, I would tell him to relax, but um, but I'd also just uh, let him know that you know he's he's fine, he's here for a reason, and while he may not realise it at twenty, it will come to him. Yeah. <laughs> so it, you know it's it's that whole thing of like, you know, live your life. I just tell him you know live your life with this sense of inevitability, just this quiet confidence of knowing that everything is going to be fine. It's not always going to work out the way you expect. Mm-hmm. But that's okay. That's all part of the plan. You know, it's it's like you know the feeling of, of um, it, you know, it's it's like watching a movie knowing it's going to end okay. Yeah. You're gonna there's going to be yeah. some scenes in there that aren't necessarily <laughs> great, but you're going to enjoy it knowing full well that there's going to be a, a good outcome. Mm-hmm. So you can sit back and enjoy it a lot more than getting all. And, yeah, yeah. And having all the anxiety that's attached to it. Yeah. So that's what I'd probably tell him uh, in a nutshell. That was a big fucking nut, wasn't it? <laughs> so if, if, last question for you. Yeah, I know you're probably hungry, jet lagged, everything. But, you know, if everything could go kind of ideally for you over the next, say, three to five years, what would you like to be doing and how would you like your life to look? Probably the way it is now, yeah. but <laughs> scaled up, if you will. Uh-huh. So um, I'd love to be, you know, going around the world, talking to kids, you know, to um, talking to corporate companies, 
you know, just putting out the message of self-esteem. Mm -hmm. Primarily, that's the bottom, the bottom, the bottom line. Yeah. Um, and um, you know, hopefully, being doing enough to help enough people, man. You know, mm -hmm. and and leaving a legacy. Mm. You know, of, you know, not not through any acquisition of shit or having a statue or any of that kind of crap. Yeah. Um, but you know, now Peter talks about you know legacy is um, how you live in the now, how you're living your life now. That's what legacy is about. That's what you get remembered for. Mm. That's what carries on. You know, that that's what creates legends, if you will. You know, people talk about the heroics of a certain person or the, the charitable deeds of a person. You know, how, how you live your life, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, right now in terms of where I'm at, what I'm doing, I'm, I'm happy. It's just now um, over time. But again, the, again, I'm, I'm happy to allow things to happen the way they're meant to. And there's no point forcing anything, you know? And, and right now, I am exactly where I need to be. So I'm comfortable with that. I'm fine with that. Yes, I do have aspirations. Yes, I do have ambition. But I also understand that you know, life is not linear. It's going to take me to certain places. Some places may seem like, what the fuck? But it's okay. It's fine. Yeah, I accept that. That is life telling me where I need to be. Let's just not resist as much. Yeah. And be more happy to sort of just trust the flow of where life is taking me mm -hmm. and understand that there is some form of higher intelligence that I cannot define or explain <laughs> that's outside of my comprehension, yeah. but that's kind of pulling the strings, if you will, and just saying, okay, fine, just, I'll, I'll acquiesce. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> Didn't expect that word out of me, did you? <laughs> so it's a... Uh... A, a nice change from the swearing words that you might have said, but uh, yeah, 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 I've been pretty good. You have, you've been great. I'm quite, uh, yeah, pleasantly surprised. I you suppose. were pleasantly surprised, yeah. yeah, yeah. Not that I had I had no uh, uh, issues with you using any sort of vocabulary that you wanted, but um, it's been it's been a, a refreshing change, so we. Say. There you go. <laughs> Tony, thank you so much. This has been a, a fantastic. I've enjoyed every minute of this. It's been brilliant. So have I, mate. Uh, it's been brilliant getting to know you a little bit more. Yeah. We've, I think we've gone pretty deep in some parts. Yeah. And um, I've, yeah, absolutely. It's been it's been tremendous. Well, so thank you, know, you so much. It's a pleasure, mate. I mean, this is <laughs> even the cameras are off. This is a conversation that you and I were were, were bound to have, and most likely we yeah. we we've touched on <laughs> when we were able to chat in the past. Because I know sometimes, not sometimes, quite often with the time zone difference, it was difficult for you and Challenge. I to be able to really, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, just, but that's what it was yeah. and that was fine. Yeah. But here we are and we, we finally got to have that chat that we we're always destined to have. And, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's, now it's good to have a recorder that we can look back on, <laughs> Absolutely. you know? Absolutely. Yeah, you have the giggle at later on. Yeah, yeah. We've made, uh, we've made history tonight. I love <laughs> it. Yeah, indeed. That's been beautiful. Love yeah. you, man. You're awesome. <laughs> you thanks too, for man. the opportunity. No, it's no, it's no, been so much fun. You're more than welcome. And thanks for having me here in this magnificent, salubrious <laughs> studio of yours. I thought my studio hang was awesome, but hey, dude, this is quite swish, I must say. Thanks, awesome. mate. Thank you so much. You're awesome. <laughs> you too. Cheers, bro. Cheers.